the road to black belt. We all get so consumed with what it takes to go from white to black. We know that white is the beginning and that black belt is our ultimate goal. But what about those intermediate belts? What about those belts in the middle? What does it mean to go from white to blue, blue to purple, purple to brown? How does it change our game? What should we be trying to accomplish with our style of jujitsu at those belts? Also, more importantly, how does this impact our role on the team? How does this impact how others view us? This is what we're gonna be talking about today. The belt colors and the promotions and the way we move up the ranks and how the things we learn in jujitsu as far as ranks and responsibilities translate to what we do in everyday life. Like I said, I say this all the time, I don't teach jiu-jitsu for jiu-jitsu, I try to teach jiu-jitsu for life, and belt rankings and the ranking system definitely translate. We're also going to talk about some exciting things happening at the school, some awesome belt promotions that are coming up, and some incredible guests coming to the school, and one on next week's episode of Tapping In. This is Tapping In. Enjoy the show, guys. Welcome back. We're here at Tapping. Every time I hear that, it's like, welcome back. Welcome back, guys. What's up? W-A-B-C. <laughs> W-M-B-C. Right. It's a little Howard Stern uh, shout out right there. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so we're back. Episode 14. Yes. We're back in studio four days later because we recorded the last one on a Friday. Friday, right. That was me coming back from uh, Nashville. So tell me about that trip. Okay. Because you've told me a little bit about it, but I think the listeners want to hear about yeah. your trip. Yeah. All right. Let me give you my first thoughts with why I thought it was going to be negative because I had gone to New Orleans about five let years me, ago. Four let years me ago. tell you why I thought this trip was going to suck. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just really kind of like, I, I went into this with a little bit of trepidation. So I, I had went to New Orleans and New Orleans to me, and I don't want to bust anybody that lives down there. It's a great city, yada, yada, yada. But it was dirty. Okay. <laughs> the hotel sucked. It was the Harris Hotel. It really fucking sucked. The food was one dimensional. It was Creole food. Okay. I couldn't get a decent burger anywhere in New Orleans. Oh boy. It, it was really, you know what I'm saying? Most people I talk to love it when they go there. Wasn't for you? It wasn't for wasn't me. Wasn't kosher enough? <laughs> Not enough of my peeps. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I, I need a uh, at least a 1% Jewish population for any city. Okay. <laughs> no. It's not much Latin in no. New Orleans. No. And the other thing is that it was muggy as fuck down there. Oh, it's like swampy too. Yeah, really, it's really. Louisiana, was. dude. That I, no, I get it. I get it. Believe me, I You're get it. You're in the swamp. It. And it was kind of cool, you know, driving by the Superdome. That was really, really cool. And I was just digging, you know, being right on the Mississippi <clears throat> River. Great. You know, you get the beignets. Uh, the music was really, really popping down there too, you yeah. know, but I got the sense that there, if you went five feet in the wrong direction, yes, you're really looking for trouble yeah. down there. And so that was something I really, really didn't like. And that's what I thought Nashville was going to be. Did real quick when you were in yeah. New Orleans, did you, did you do any of like the, uh, like the ghost tours or visit any of like the no, no, a, no. it's big down there, dude. Let me explain something how, how Roy rolls when he goes on vacation. <laughs> I have I am beholden to Pookie. Okay. Okay. And Pookie likes five star hotels. I'm married to a Jewish American princess. She oh likes five star hotels. Oh she God. likes really good meals. And she ain't getting up before two in the afternoon. Oh okay. So say goodbye to really any kind of thing. So 
anything uh, where you're, you're like you're walking through the swamps listening yeah for nothing ghost like that she ain't doing any of that shit see that's the type of stuff i like i always want to do yeah but like i'm a pussy like i'm not gonna do that <laughs> how about ghosts <laughs> yeah i'm not doing that like in my mind i'm like man, that'll be so much fun i'm you know I but i'm believe, never gonna do it i don't believe in ghosts I so do. i really don't have an issue i do all right so the the lights go out mm-hmm and you're in your home, mm-hmm. and you're just alone in your home. Okay. Are you freaking? I mean, you're not a small guy here. In my home? Yeah. No, because my house was built brand new, so there's nothing okay, there. Okay, so there's no Indian burial no. Uh, ground. But on. when I lived in South Brunswick, okay. uh, and I've told you this story. Yes. The uh, condo development. This is a cool story. In, uh, I'm not going to get into any details. I had a couple things happen. I never shared them with my friends, and then... Uh, we moved into a different uh, condo and my friend moved into my old condo and he had similar experiences. And we found out that it was built on an old civil war, like burial ground. And what they did was they moved all the bodies to the Kingston cemetery. And we thought the person who told us was full of shit. My throat's like super dry. And then they like took us to a little portion right right before you get onto route 27 that's just past the condo like you know still like it's like almost like the backyards and there were the headstones oh, no. yep whole family 1776 1777 1778 wow did i say civil war yeah you did no say not civil revolutionary war not the civil war this was the north and south so we were trying to become did America. you see the movie uh, sleepy hollow yes okay with johnny that, depp yeah that kind of time frame is always really kind of freaky deaky a lot of weird stuff was going on back then. Yeah, it seems but, that uh, way. But yeah, so and I've got a bunch of other things. But yeah, I do. I believe, I believe in them. We'll get into whole ghost thing. I'll believe in them enough to not fuck with it. Let's put it that right. way. <laughs> really, like, even if I'm like, I don't believe. I'm like, eh, you know what? Just in case, just in just case. in case, I'm gonna leave it alone. You can live in a real good neighborhood. You still lock your doors at night. No, just no. in just case. J-I-C. Some people don't. Absolutely. There's those times people are like. Neighborhood was so safe, we didn't even lock our doors. It's like, then you're a fucking idiot. Like, there's bad people out <laughs> it's there. It's so funny. I grew up that way, like, in a small town, Parsippany, New Jersey. And it's like, it, there was never any crime there, nothing. I moved down to Philadelphia, direct, you know, right after I graduated And then people found out you weren't locking your doors. It, well, kind and of. now the crime well, goes Well, here's the worst part about it. I moved down to Philadelphia and, uh, you know, doing my whole music career at that point. This is, what, 86? My fucking car radio gets jacked in the first week, and I'm like, "What did I move to here? Yeah. This is so stupid." Well, we're gonna get back to your Nashville. I want to hear about this yeah, story. Yeah, it's, it's it's really but cool. We uh, we went on a little mandate last week. Okay, we went. You and, you I, and I. We went to go see Halloween. Yes. Uh, and it's funny that movie theater. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. we went to go see Back to the Future Part Three, and when we okay. came out, my aunt's car had been stolen. Oh wow! Yeah, unbelievable. That was my first like thing, like, oh my God, like people steal cars. <laughs> like they did. They stole her shit. It was gone. What kind of car was it? It was like a red Ma it wasn't a Miata, it was like a Mazda five. So Mazda you're sitting six. there saying it's like, why are they stealing this car? Go well, steal it, it a looked, fucking Porsche or something. Well, that's the thing, like that. it looked like a little Porsche. Oh, it's like it was deal? like it was like early nineties. It was like really souped up. Right, right, right. And the crazy thing, it was actually a family friend who did it. Oh, and like he no. told her, like he's like, listen, like he was like all like, you know, he was like fucked up on drugs. Okay. And he was like, listen, like I didn't know that was your car. I'm really sorry. And she's like, just I'll put it me. back in your driveway. <laughs> yeah. She's like, just tell me where it is. Right. And he told her where it was, and it was they found it. It was in Philly. It was gutted, gutted. But then the insurance fixed everything up, and you know, right. uh, but you know, they didn't press charges or anything. You know, you know, they've been trying. We've been lucky. I've, I've never been robbed. I've never, aside from having my car radio jacked, that was the only thing that's ever bad happened to me 
Yeah, knock on wood. Knock on quite where to find some wood. We got glass here. I got some right here, buddy. Nice. So anyway, I'm I'm down in New Orleans, and as I said, it's like you'd step, you know, in the wrong direction. It's it's uh, that's what I was thinking going to Nashville. Nashville, and I I applaud the people that live there. I applaud the mayor of that city. That is a beautiful city. It is gorgeous. I've heard great things about it. Rex loves Nashville. You, I. I'm telling you, it was one of the best. It's top five for me in my <clears throat> trips of all time. I so recommend it. The We stayed at a great hotel, the Hilton there. They were like had that whole Southern charm thing going on, you know, mm. bless your heart, all that stuff. And I'm throwing my jersey at them and, and this thing. But we were within 50 yards of a street, Broadway, where literally 50 or 60 bars are on that street. And you just walk in, you listen to fucking great music. You walk out, you go, okay, I'll listen to another great band. I'll walk out to another great band. And then there's a barbecue joint, you know, in each of these bars. They have great burgers. They have great barbecue. I mean, I was just so impressed with that town. And it was clean. It was nice. There was a great candy shop. I, I dig my sweets. And it was just fantastic. How long were you there for? Uh, Sunday to Thursday. So take out the flight. So basically four days. That's perfect. That's all, it, that's all you need. Because it's just really, really well done down there. Clean, easy. There are different parts of town you can go to. Like there's the Vanderbilt section, which was really kind of college cool. Then you got this place called Printer's Alley, which was like kind of nifty. And Broadway is just just bar after bar after bar. You throw down a couple of beers, you listen to great music. And it's not just country music, you know. They're playing like old-time rock and roll. They're playing, the, you know. Do they have any hip-hop? I didn't catch any of that. Um <laughs> <laughs> now here, not serious, that I wouldn't mind it, I, but I, I would enjoy it. Live. Some guy pulled off a really beautiful Shaggy impression. They were really? doing, uh, you know, because I'm a picker, I'm a grinner, I'm a lover, and I'm a sinner. And then he starts going into Shaggy doing that. It wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was really kind of cool how they um, mashed that so up. So you were there for four days, and you yeah. said all these places at bar. Did you like start developing like I really like that place? Like I really yeah. want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. There was a place called Peg Leg Porkers. Okay. Uh, obviously a kosher establishment and uh yeah kosher <laughs> there's a rabbi in the back yeah blessing everything as it comes roy out. welcome back to pig leg porker and you're <laughs> oh, here's the kosher special anyway um no but they had everything was pig so laney and i walk in and we're looking at the menu and i said do you have anything other than pig on here the guy said I'll hook you up with some chicken. Don't worry about it. They're like, thank you. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of what it is. And we're walking in there. And <laughs> you're like, Yom Kippur is like 10 months away, dude. Like, <laughs> I got I to gotta make it a little bit before I need to start repenting. Awesome. <laughs> so that was the deal. But I really love the trip. I'll throw another thing. I think the, the airport down there is fantastic. They got us in and out of there. Newark sucks. Oh, it's brutal in Holy Newark. Holy shit. Brutal Newark, and they're so fucking surly. Mm. Yeah, know what I'm saying? I'm like Mr. Happy going on vacation. What a word to use, surly. <laughs> wow, is. okay. You know, use that one. It's a good one. Maybe when I'm 60, I'll use it. <laughs> I'll tell Benny and be like, I like I like my grandson's new girlfriend. She's a little surly when she doesn't get her way. <laughs> Aren't they all though? Aren't it's they so all? true? It's so true. <laughs> so but anyway, so we come back and it's like I go to get my car at uh, EWR parking and man, you want to talk about attitude. Holy shit. I come back like all happy, happy for my vacation. They ruin it, dude. And they're looking at me like, yeah, what's your number? 
what the what the oh oh yeah your car is like three deep in the parking lot i'm like could you get it for me yeah give me a few minutes turned into a fucking half hour and i'm like it was aggravating as fuck i remember i would go visit my in-laws back when they lived in virginia mm-hmm. and you're there for a couple of days and you start and this is virginia we're not even what like part deep, of virginia we're talking chesapeake Okay, all right. Chesapeake. But it's not even like southern. It's Ah, not like deep south, but it's just southern enough where they're like nice people. (laughs) Yes. And like, I remember like I'd come back to Jersey and I'd feel like I'm going to be a better person. (laughs) Like I'm I'm a piece of shit. Let me try to be nice. I'll never forget this one time. Lady was walking out of uh, the pizzeria by my house. There was several, but this one in particular. And she's got three pies. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, not apple or pumpkin. If you're not from New Jersey, in New Jersey, we call pizza pizza pies. Because we have listeners that aren't from Jersey. Oh, I, I know all about that. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Like, people listen to them, uh, you know. Uh, I remember when I went to University of Maryland, when I used to go there and Oh, yeah. Know, undergrad, I, I ordered, like, from Domino's. I said, hey, I'll have a couple of pies. And the guy's like, we don't make we pies We don't make here. pies. I yep. go, what are you talking about? And he's like, we got pizza here. My, one of my good friends, he went to Rutgers, and his roommate wasn't from Jersey. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, dude, we're going to get a couple pies. What do you want? And he goes, um, I guess I'll take an apple. <laughs> he's like, what? But that's like when I went to Boston and people were like, hey, I'm making a packy run. What do you want? And I'm like, I'm good. I don't need any boxes. Right, right, right. They're like, no, I'm going to the packy. I'm like, I'm, I don't know what you're packing. And they're like, no, packaged goods. That's their, it's right, a liquor store. I'm like, oh, yeah. they call it a packy. But uh, yeah, but that's a, that's a real thing. But anyway, I'm trying to be this nice guy. She's got three pies. <laughs> right. She's got like something on top of it. Let's call it wings uh, and like a soda. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a woman. So I'm trying to be a gentleman. I'm like, miss, can I help you with that? Right. She looks at me like I'm trying to rob her and just goes, <laughs> no, thanks. I'm good. And I was like, damn. Wow. Fuck you too. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, right back to being a dick. <laughs> You're the day. It was so weird that you said it. By the way, Lainey listens to this. Uh, my wife listens to this podcast all the time. She's like, how come you don't talk about me? I go, here you go, Pookie. Here's your story. Here you okay? go. The other day, we were at the supermarket, and this uh, older lady comes out. Uh, let's let's say she was uh, on the uh, the northern side of Hefty. I'll okay. say that. Okay. <laughs> so COVID is very dangerous for her. <laughs> quite. Okay. Quite. Gotcha. And she's pushing these... Uh, this very very full shopping cart and the like they had these little potted plants they fell out the back of the uh shopping cart mm. she's holding up traffic so i park my uh my uh, cool guy suv and i get out and i help her and i put the uh the potted plants back on and i said where are you parked and she says over there so anyway long story short i, I set her all up i get back in the car lane and goes how can you never do that for me and i'm like <laughs> i'm like pook star it's like this. It's like drop some fucking plants. I'll pick them up for you. Like, exactly. what do you want me to do? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to Maybe, help someone. What do, you, what do you want from me here? Okay. What do you want? I, Jesus. <laughs> no. You got to love them, though. Yeah. So I get back. We get back from Nashville and we came down with these nasty fucking colds. It's going around. I mean, this one really, like, yeah. did a number on me. So that's why it sounded like direct last week. Yeah. It's going around. I was feeling a little bit this week, you know, everyone, of course, like everyone's like getting tested and they're like, I'm negative. I'm negative. <laughs> I know, I'm, like, right? I'm like, I know. Uh, somebody actually. That's like the new like standard. I got tested. I'm right. like, All right. I'm like, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. But uh, Do you it actually, feel weird when you like cough or sneeze in a crowd now? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I'm scared too. Like I can feel exactly. like the sneeze coming. I'm like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then when it comes out, I'm like, I'm not sick. I'm out. I swear. Because they're like. Get him! Exactly. Get him! Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> Put him in the paddy wagon. It's like, I'm vaccinated. Leave me alone. Like, you got the J&J. That's right. not a real vaccine. <laughs> so true. So true. It's crazy. That's, that's what we are in society at this it's point. These it's people like, are just... You didn't get the good vaccine? It's like, <laughs> no, I thought I did. But don't, I know there's a side of you that's like, yeah, I just sneezed. What, do you got a problem with it? You know, that kind of thing. Uh, part of me, like, I don't want the attention, but then I'm like, if somebody says something, I'm slapping them in the fucking face. Okay, let's let's get real here for a second. Okay, you're at the mall. Oh, God, here we go. You sneeze. Right. You get the looks. Right. What are you doing at that point? If someone's like just like looking at me after I sneeze, yeah, yeah. I'll just say, God bless you. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. You're in an elevator now. Mm-hmm. She walks in. A woman walks in with a mask. Let's say you're mm-hmm. not wearing the mask. I'm not. And you sneeze. Neither uh-huh. am I. All right. And you sneeze. She gives you that look. What are you doing at that point? It's just, just look, you and her in an elevator at that point. I just lock eyes. Oh, you do. I do. Ah. If someone looks at me, I'm gonna lock eyes. Wow. In the death stare. Yeah. Even if I like accidentally lock eyes with someone, uh-huh. I won't look away. <laughs> you're doing it yeah now. like if i'm just like scrolling through and like i accidentally lock eyes with someone i'm not gonna look away right it's funny i made a friend like that in high school one time did you really yeah he was one of the kids who used to like get into like fights like everyone knew who was like you know like a little bit of a badass and he was like a legit like badass i mean south brunswick badass how bad could you be but he was you know he was he wouldn't you know scare mm. from getting into a fight mm. and i just happened to be walking down the hall he was walking down the hall and we just it was one of those things like you're we're walking in opposite directions and like he just caught me looking at him and we literally just like kept like locking eyes as we walked past each other and even after we passed each other two alpha dogs yeah and then we both just turned around and kept looking at each other walking backwards and he's like what's up I was like nothing what the fuck's up he's like what you staring (laughs) at I was like I'm not staring at shit but I'm not gonna look away and he goes holy shit he looked at me he goes I like you (laughs) I was like cool he's like so no beef I was like I don't got beef I'm just not gonna look away he goes word then we became friends (laughs) That is cool. That's a good story. I was like, I'm not going to start. There were always those guys in high school that you never, like, you never knew when their egg timer was going to go off and they were going to, like, forearm shiv you in the face or something. Oh, man. I was never that guy. Okay. I hope not. I was always a peaceful soul. Okay. You know, but, you know. But walking through the, like, I remember a couple of dudes on the football team that, like, even though I was on the same fucking team as them, like, I always thought, like, is this guy going to fucking throw at me any minute? <laughs> I, I mean, I had a couple moments. I had a couple things that were probably questionable. Mm-hmm. But I think they were always, you know, yeah. deserved. I don't think I ever went out of out of line with it. I have this great story of a buddy of mine that, that was one of those types of dudes. And we graduated. Uh, I, I always thought he was going to take a poke at me, you know, take a throw at me mm-hmm. one time. And so, at any rate, we graduated high school. We kind of went our separate ways. About four years later, I'm at Bennigan's. And he walks in and I'm looking at this guy and he still looks like he wants to throw at me. And I finally said to him, I go, what's going on with you? Like, you know, he goes, nothing. I just, you know, I always wanted to be your friend kind of thing. He goes, aren't you doing music? And I said, yeah, I'm doing music. But it was like that moment where I just built up this whole thing of who this guy was. And it's just not him. Well, that's like with women, they called it uh, RBF. Okay. Resting bitch face. <laughs> okay. And it's like know. like it's basically like if you ever meet a like a woman who just always looks pissed off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're not. That's just their face. Like my sister has really bad RBF. Uh-huh. Steph has really bad RBF. Really? Yeah. Like if you just catch Steph she like sitting like the her, sweetest person. She is, but if you catch her like just like sitting down, like not doing anything, like uh-huh. you'll just by looking at her face, you'll think she's like pissed off at the world. So you got it coming from one side. You got it coming from the other. Guess who has a really big RBF? My sweet little three-year-old Juliana. Does she really? 
Oh my god. <laughs> she looks like she's ready to set the world on fire half the time. Yesterday I was like, "Come here, mama, give me a kiss." And she goes, "No way, Jose." <laughs> <laughs> she like puckers her lips and like turns around. I was like, I'm gonna grab your little curly hair. And I'm gonna make you give me a kiss, but I don't because I'm teaching her that you know, yes, men have to respect you when you say women. no. Right. Exactly. But in my head, I'm like, your fucking father. But, I do that with that my dog. You know, I do it with my dog. When he, when he doesn't give me a kiss, I'm like, Freddie, come over here, give me a kiss. And he like he backs off. I'm like, get over here, you little motherfucker. And I'm like, give me a kiss. So you're not gonna give it to me. I'm gonna take it. I want you to lick my face, goddamn. Yeah. I like hit Juliana's like little butt. I'm like, what is this? What is this? She goes, hey, that's my tushy. That's private. Aww, that's she puts like her finger. She's like, that's private. And I'm like, you're right. I'm sorry. She's got this, she's got this little. I fucking love her. She's my little princess. She's getting big. Oh Makes God. me sad. She's getting, you know, she's yeah. so pretty. I'm just yeah. like, damn, you're pretty. Yeah. And then there's Benny. I'm like, fuck, you're handsome. God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, both you kids. My sister tells me that she goes, You think if your kids weren't good looking, you would you would know? I'm like, probably not. I think every parent thinks their kids are like the most gorgeous things in the world. Right, right, right. You know, but <laughs> I love them. I love my kids. They drive me nuts, but I love them to death. So let's just real quick just go back over Halloween. Ooh. I know you dig it. And I'm gonna tell you what I like and I didn't like. Okay. Okay, since uh, No spoilers, we're not doing that on this show, Roy. Okay. We're twenty minutes into this thing. You said hold it for like twenty, twenty five minutes of okay. of opening schmooze. Yes. So uh this is what I liked and what I didn't like. Okay. Okay. I liked the 80s vibe with the credits. It really felt like this thing was filmed in the 80s. Which is great. Which I really dig. Nice homage. It, yeah. Homage. Exactly. Is it homage or homage? Homage, baby. It's a nice homage yes. to the original. I exactly. love that too. I like that aspect. I like the aspect of just the fact that like he killed people I wanted to be killed. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I yes. wanted to. Without spoiling to the die. movie, they're like, literally, you're going to, if you haven't seen it yet, you're going to watch it and be like, I can't stand these motherfuckers. Exactly. You're going to start to hate and them. And it's men and women, which is even better. Yeah. I love and that. And then when they die, you're like, yes, but yes. here's, but that is what makes you kind of tap into that, like, why am I happy these people are getting brutally <laughs> murdered? And it's like, ah, see, Michael Myers is in all of us. We have a new prop in the, in the, in the studio too. We got the Michael Myers mask. Beautiful man. Courtesy of the Dowd family. Shout out to them. Oh, is that, Thank that, you. That, that's, that's a Scott and Leah uh, edition. Yeah. Scott put it on. I was like, let me see the mask. He put it, he took, put it on. And it's he, pretty realistic too. It's a great mask. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so he took a picture of him wearing it, holding a, a knife to Leah's throat. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Leah Dowd, God bless her, horrible actress. Nothing about that picture made me feel like she was in danger. I was okay. like, you got to work on this a little bit. But nonetheless, I love it. I'll, I got to figure out a way to get it autographed. All right. So you like that? I like that as that, that the like people the I wanted to die died. <clears throat> I like that aspect. Yeah. I like the length of the movie. Didn't go on too long. Didn't take itself too seriously. Yep. Gave me a good story, which I like too. Uh, I was really hoping Jamie Lee would die in this movie because I really, really dislike her at this point. I, in her I, predict I don't it. like her as a as an actress. I don't like her as a her her big mouth politics. <laughs> I, I don't like anything about this woman. I, I just wanted to see her fucking. My my knife. prediction my prediction is she dies in the next one. I, I really do, and I will be the the first guy standing up and applauding. I mean. <laughs> She just was like, such man, a she really stretched this character out for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's the original finals girl. I get it. She's the first one. I get it. I get it. I get it. But that that's what's cool about this movie is that they, they felt free to knock everybody off. You know, mm -hmm. that was very cool. You know, they didn't get it. They didn't kill the granddaughter. 
you're you're giving spoilers, Roy. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. But I love the the boyfriend getting it. Roy, like, what are you doing? <laughs> nah, come on. Dude. Go oh, see the movie. It's great. I'm going to have to put this in the intro like spoilers. Go see spoilers. The movie. Go see. What didn't you like, though? Okay. This is what I didn't like. Number one, I didn't like Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I just don't That's like That's a her. personal thing. Yeah. Because you're looking at Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I don't see Jamie Lee Curtis. You know what I see? Who do you see? I see Laurie Strode. Okay. Right. I see Laurie Strode. Fair enough. I, I really don't like actors and actresses that open their big friggin' traps about politics. Just shut the fuck up. Especially because they're so rich. Yeah. I know you got a few money. And you think you'd, you know, doing the world a favor by giving us your opinion. Well, that's what's great about COVID. Like, I remember it. last year's Super Bowl? Okay. You had Matthew McConaughey doing like a Kit Kat commercial. <laughs> you had all these big celebrities doing okay. commercials for the Super Bowl. I turned to Steph and I was like, they couldn't fucking wait to get back, get in, the back spotlight. in the spotlight. Yeah. No movies, no filming. There, no one cares about them for a whole yeah. year. They jumped onto the first thing they could get. Like, mm-hmm. yes, people know who I am again. <laughs> as much as they say, I hate the paparazzi. It's so hard being in the limelight. No, you fucking love it. And when you lost it, you were like, what? Right. Why isn't anyone talking about me? Absolutely agree. Who's this new actress? Covidia 19 is. It's because she's young. Zendaya. Who's COVID-19? Since when do we put our ages under our name? My son was not happy. I was talking about this movie that Selena Gomez is in. And I'm like, that is the most wooden, shallow, flimsy actress I think I've ever seen in my life. She's horrible. And she and he's like, no way, Dad. She's really... And I'm like, no, Anna Diarmas. Well, that's because he used to have little Selena great. Gomez. Yes, that's exactly... You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if, you're a, if you're a long-time listener, you know exactly what we're talking about. Jay said uh, <clears throat> he's got that kind of taste. But at any rate, so... Uh, so you didn't I like Jamie Lee. You didn't like Jamie Lee still being okay. alive. What the else thing didn't that, you like? All right. Now, you actually addressed this with me. So, you know, I'll tell you again. I don't like that Michael Myers seems like an old man. And he I know is. he is. But it's like, how the fuck does he have this kind of stamina to, like, take on a town after he takes, you know, beat down? You know? It just seemed a little unrealistic. You say that, but you're also 57 years old and you keep showing up to jiu-jitsu every week. <laughs> yeah, I get it, but I'm like, if I get beat down by the town, you know, especially with a baseball bat. Because he ain't human, Roy. I know, that's what I'm getting at. He's a metaphor. Okay. All right. For evil. So the, all right, so explain that thought then. About how Michael Myers is a metaphor? Yeah. I think Michael Myers represents all the bad feelings that we have inside ourselves. So he's like really secretly. not real? I mean, like Pennywise? I think he's real. Well, Pennywise is real. Okay. He's not a clown. But he's like a manifestation of your fears. Yes. Well, the actual physical being that is Pennywise is a is like an arachnid. It's like okay. a spider okay. from a different planet that came here centuries ago. Okay. Uh, I think Michael Myers is everything that we're scared to feel or we feel guilty mm. about feeling. Oh, okay. Like satisfaction watching certain people get killed. Mm. Uh, it's when we make decisions that we have to void ourselves completely of emotion and we can't, sometimes we, we need to, I think that's what he represents, Got it. you know? And I think he represents true evil, which is no matter how good, how good things are, it's always there. It's right around the next bend. It's a listen, man. Like even like right now, like you and I are in a jujitsu Academy inside of my office, you know, recording on microphones with a Mac, right? Like we're, but like right now, I don't want to get too fucking like heavy. Right now, as we speak, there is a child locked in a room somewhere being used for sex trafficking. Yeah. So it's true. real. Yeah, it is. Like we're sitting down. It could you're be having, three doors down for all we could know. Could be three doors down. Yeah. I'll never forget one of my friends. 
fan, was, by the way. It was Sean. It was Sean. Oh. <laughs> we were driving around. Uh, we were just driving around. I forget where we were going. And like there was like all these garages. Right. He's like, yo, how many of these garages do you think are like dead people in them or like somebody locked up? Oh, I'm like, why the fuck would you think that? Yeah. But you know what? He's right. It, absolutely. It's always right next door. Yeah. It's never It's never in these like weird places in the woods like yeah. you see in the movies. It's always your neighbor. It's the person next door. Yeah. It's the person across the street. And you're like, what the fuck was going on over there? Mm-hmm. Evil is real. It exists. And we can act like it's not there. We can pretend that it's not there. We can love our life, having our steak dinners and sitting in front of our 65, 75-inch TVs. There's real bad people in this world no doubt. doing bad things. Yeah. And I think you have to be aware of it at all times. Thank God for the Second Amendment. Absolutely. And try and take that away, too. <laughs> they'll never take my guns. There's a dude. They won't the... take your guns. They'll just take your bullets. Like, yeah, right? Yeah, there was a dude that uh, stopped the crime today in the mall. Guys sprayed the uh, shots and really? good man with a gun came out and put him down. Which mall? I don't know. I think it was in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> oh, of course. Wouldn't be in Jersey. No, no, we don't have. Uh, yeah, the only people that carry guns in Jersey are the criminals. Kind of. Now we're getting say. political. Someone's like, I'm not listening to these guys anymore. Yes. Click. They're like, <laughs> Roy's, Roy's too Hebrew and now they're pro guns. Yuck. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> go fucking go listen to your Christian station. Yeah. Um, I listen, I listen, and I'm a Christian, you know? But yeah, serious. Well, let's talk about some cool stuff, and then we'll get into the, the meat of the matter. Cool stuff. We got some three great seminars. Huge. In this school. Huge. So if you are thinking of joining this school. Why the fuck on, not? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, I mean. And they're got, back to back to back. Exactly. And that wasn't intentional. It's just the way it kind of worked just, out. And they're, every one of those guys are cool dudes. Fire. Yeah. So we got tomorrow night, and I'm I'm so pumped about this, and it's okay. going to lead into what we're going to talk about tonight, because we got some people getting promoted. Beauty. Yep. Uh, we got some people getting promoted, and I can probably post this because by the time it comes out on Monday, this person's going to know. Um, tomorrow night we got Craig Izzo coming in, right. teaching the no or teaching the gee class. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, Craig is a black belt under Tom, like uh, myself, and you know people like Gary Tonin and Jen Russell, mm-hmm. you know, big names. Uh, Rossi Palmieri and a bunch of other guys, Carlos Solis, Kenny oh, Kenny Carlos. Holland. Now I feel like I gotta name all the black belts. Right, right, right. I, <laughs> I can't say all of you. All right, Kyle Kramer. I'll say Kyle. That's where I'm stopping right there. Garrett Lavaggi. <laughs> right. so, you know what though? Because it's like big names. I'm like, fuck. All these guys are black. You didn't mention me, damn it. I, I shouldn't have mentioned Gary. I should have left him off the list. <laughs> well, so whenever I hear Gary, I gotta hear the impression though. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I think I'd probably get down there in a couple of weeks. But um, he uh, teaches all the advanced right. uh, gi classes mm-hmm. at Tom's. That's all you need to know about Craig. He's he's teaching the advanced gi classes right. at Tom DeBlas's Academy. Yeah. That's fucking for real. That's a real oh, yeah. thing right there. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that if you're a complete piece of shit. So he's coming tomorrow night. We are doing one promotion tomorrow night. Uh, Alan Cardella is getting his purple belt. Oh, wow. That's a big one. one I'm of my super excited. People on the planet. You know what I love about Alan, too, is he's he's never been that guy who's like, I'm getting in eight classes a week, 10 right, classes yeah. a week, and then be off for a month. He has consistently showed up right. one he to two classes a week. In the, uh, yeah. in the very beginning of the uh, school. Well, he's a very successful lacrosse coach. Yep. I don't know if people know this. He coaches at Bridgewater, which is one of the like top 25 lacrosse teams in the nation wow i didn't know that and the lacrosse coach over there is one of the top lacrosse coaches in the country Mm -hmm. Uh, i think he explained to me one time he goes he's like the bill belichick of high school lacrosse oh wow like he teaches a camp so 
Allen's pretty up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen's actually the one who set me up with um, the Rutgers offensive line coach mm. and set that whole thing up for me because their kids played, his sons played lacrosse, and that's how Allen knew them. So Allen gets very busy with his lacrosse season. It's it's very involved. And he's like, hey, prof, or like, hey, hermano, or like whatever yeah, he says. He's yeah. like, yo, prof, so I got lacrosse season going. You know, I'm going to try to get in like once a week, but... You know, it's going to be some hard, so I'm going to get in when I can. Is yeah. it Always, I'm like, Alan, just get in. He's one of those guys that when he's here, he squeezes all the juice yeah, it's a great guy. out of class. From the warm-up to the drills to the technique to mm-hmm. the cool-down to the, to the positional rounds, he's getting everything. And then after class, he'll do like an extra 15, 20 minutes on the second mat. Yeah, stretching it out. Stretching it out, yeah. going over the technique again. It's and then a getting, tough time with his back these days. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, it happens. You know, maybe getting a round or two with someone else on the mm-hmm. second man, right. and then he's yeah. getting out of here. He's one of those guys, even when you don't see him, hasn't skipped a beat. Yeah, great dude. When we were, during COVID, when we were doing the Zoom classes, never missed a Zoom class. Mm. He, was at le- he was on at least twice a week. So I shouldn't say never missed, but he was on at least twice a week taking those Zoom classes. Wow. Working with a teddy bear. I hate to say it, I blew it off a lot. Yeah, a lot of people did. You know why? Because it sucked. <laughs> it sucked. It was fucking awful. It really did. And I mean, we did what we had to do. We're like, this is the wave of the future. <laughs> this way, everyone can train. You can live train. in Kentucky, but train under Tom DeBlast. This is what we're going to try no. to convince yourself. Well, dude, I did a whole like podcast. I did like a whole interview on it. I'm like, yeah, like this is what we got. I remember. And listen, yeah. at the time, that's what we had to do. Of course. Yeah. And it was very easy to believe like, yeah, this could be the way of the future. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly you realize like, nah, the same one fucking people are doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. People need the human you interaction. The, yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. I mean, for some people it's great, but for me, I'm like I can't teach like this. This is breaking my heart. I need the human interaction. So he's getting he's one of those guys where no matter how much time he misses or how he shortens, he's always in. He's consistent, and he always gets better. Yeah, I'll train with him, and I'm like, all right, let me let me see what he's kind of slowed down. Yeah, I'm like, fuck, he got better because he's he's so focused, and he's yeah. you know he's he's a true athlete. He played lacrosse at Rutgers. And, right. Uh, really in shape he tells me some of the exercises he does because he says when he works out he likes to torture himself mm-hmm. like he wants to go to a point where i'm like this isn't fun this is suffering he's like well that's how you're getting better yeah so he'll be getting his purple belt awesome then next, i love him i love his wife nancy too oh yeah. she's a fucking soldier yeah. dude yeah. she's had like 10 back surgeries yeah. something insane I know. but she she doesn't complain keeps coming doesn't stop. She goes, hey, you know Absolutely. what? I'm good. I'm here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm like, fuck. His daughters are super intelligent, super bright, Absolutely. super sweet. The one is at Stevens. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher this. I think she's doing like engineering or something like that. I think so. Like civic engineering or civil engineering. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a moron. And they have a nice pool. <clears throat> Great pool. I know. <laughs> Great pool. Great house. Yeah. They're just, they're incredible. That's a, that's a party house. Dude, the school had been open six months. They opened up their house to have a yeah. party that we had like 50 Neanderthals there with the wives and the kids. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was I think Benny was there. There's a video of it somewhere. Juliana didn't exist yet. Right. Wild. How do you think about time. it? But uh, So who's the other uh, promo? Then Tuesday, we have, you know, Mr. Emerald City Invitational himself, <laughs> Sam McHale's coming in. Great, dude. Sam is doing the Tuesday night no-gi class. And we're going to do several promotions that night. We mm-hmm. have, uh, I can't say it was getting promoted on Tuesday because this will drop on Monday and they'll know it. But most of the people getting promoted know. There's a couple people that don't know they're getting promoted. I certainly know one name, but I won't mention it. But yeah. he definitely deserves it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the blue belts are long overdue. Yeah. And it's funny, tonight we did a couple more promotions and putting some stripes on white belts. And I'm like, man, in about four months, okay. we're going to have a whole new batch of blue belts. Yep. It's it's insane when you think about it. it's not insane, but it's it's exciting. 
Absolutely. They were getting to that point with the academy. We're starting to promote, you know, purple belts, you know, whites to blues, blues to purples. Mm -hmm. We got a couple purples that are getting close to browns. You know, we got one person who's been a purple belt for two years already. Mm -hmm. Mr. Judo himself, Will Harz. Oh, my God. He's been a purple belt. I haven't seen Will in a while. I love that guy. He gets in around once or twice a week. I know he does the morning classes. But he's another one who's just training and finds a way to fit it in. And it's very impressive. He and I went to go see Kiss. Did you? He loves him. He loves him. He digs Kiss. And I'm a huge Kiss fan, too. But it's like, I have a really hard time with heights. He gets these seats in the middle of fucking, like, it may as well have been in the next state. And I'm like, I'm... I'm walking up I'm like, Will, where are our seats already? And he's laughing because he's a fireman for Christ's sake. He don't care about heights. And I'm like, I'm pinning myself to the back of the seat the Roy's entire like, time. Oi, vey, how far are we going? <laughs> I fucking hate heights. I'm like, and then like, it, it was a great show. Some of these stadiums too, depending how high you go, it's scary. Like, have you, have you ever been to Prudential? Yeah. Prudential. That's where we saw it. Oh, I don't like the way their stadium yeah, seats are. it's like you're almost like you're literally over. looking straight down yeah like you go to like msg and like you're it feels like you you're going upstairs back. you can sit you back to the blue area up there it's prudential fun. it's almost like each rose only like two feet yeah so you're literally like at a very steep incline like you know you're oh yeah i'm not a fan that i'm, place a, I'm gonna get me. real hoity-toity with you here for a second the i went to go to the met to see i i was that was uh for my son's school they wanted a uh, a person to uh chaperone for the opera i'm not a big opera guy but holy shit, you want to talk about seats that are like, you're literally like mm-hmm. over, and it's really kind of scary. Yeah, I don't like that angle. No way. But but yeah, but we got those guys, uh, we got guys getting promoted, getting new belts. It's always very exciting because when you get the new belts, yeah. everyone gets so fixated with like getting the new belt and the new promotion. Mm-hmm. You don't understand what comes with it. Like Things change. Yeah. Especially when you go from white to blue. Like, when you're a white belt, people kind of, you know, they got the gloves on, they treat you very gently. When mm-hmm. you get a blue belt, it's like, yeah. surprise. Like, yeah. Now you have a colored belt. You're a big boy now. Yep. You're on varsity. Mm-hmm. I remember when I trade with Tom when I first got my blue belt. He tried to kill me. <laughs> he did. He tried to suffocate me with his gi. Oh, right. Just wrapped it around my face that. and held it there. We talked about it. But that. all those guys did. Right. You know, like, and then you, I really feel like I didn't feel that again until I got my black belt. When I got okay. my black belt, that's when I felt that next, like, now welcome to this level. And oh, like, oh right. shit! You've all been right. lying to me because everybody's killed. coming at you at that point. Yeah. And when you start, you know, when I got it, it was all the other black belts were there. Oh, jeez! And they put it on me. It was a rough day, and it's mm. hard because like you're, you're like so happy and excited. You got your black belt. And you're mm-hmm. like in this like euphoric state, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're trying to train jujitsu, but you can't really get like too excited <laughs> and serious because you're like, I'm a black belt now. <laughs> and everyone's attacking you. So as you're getting beat up, you're like, This is great. <laughs> it's such a weird trip. So but, who's the uh, who's the third seminar? Oh, I almost forgot about him. Uh, the third seminar, God, who is it? It's on a Friday. We have the king, mm-hmm. the king, Gordon Ryan himself, coming into the academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who gets that? You know, uh, pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were able to pull it off. Beautiful. It's funny we uh, we got Gordon coming in and. The way I did it was I set aside a certain amount of spots for people that don't train here. Right. And then I put away certain spots so that our students can get in here. Sure. And the spots that I put away for people not from here sold out in about 16 hours. Amazing. They were gone. And you said they're pretty damn expensive too. 
200 bucks. Wow. When he told me the price, I was like, no one's fucking coming to this thing. (laughs) (laughs) As a matter of fact, I still am getting messages from people. Can you fit one more? And I'm like, no, I can't. I had one guy today. He's like, and they're traveling down from Canada. I had one guy. He's like, dude, I'll come from, he's like, I'm coming from Canada. I really just want to train with, you know, with the king. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. I'm like, he's going to be at Tom DeBlass's Academy at the end of November. Watch out for that. No, Tom can fit more people than I can. He's got a much bigger academy. But even like, like we're officially, if you're listening to this, we are officially done. We got no more space. Every spot's gone. (laughs) It is gone. Uh, 50 spots, you know, they're gone. Beautiful. So uh, we got Gordon Ryan coming in November 5th. Here he's literally this is his schedule because I was like I was like dude you gotta do an episode on the podcast he's like bro I'd love to I gotta do it the next time I'm in though he's filming in Boston for BJJ fanatics right driving from Boston straight to here wow teaching that's like here what? that's like four and a half five hours four and a half hours yeah. teaching a two hour seminar here and then as soon as he's done here driving to Atlantic City because ADCC trials are the next day oh wow. The sixth and the seventh. Does he have like a, a posse or like a like a people he travels with now? Or is that oh, really? the word posse, it's, by the way? It's or is entourage. That Arsenio Hall. No, you call it an entourage. Okay. Does he go with people? Does he hang with people? <clears throat> or is he pretty much just driving himself these days? He's usually with Nat. You know, plus he likes to drive. Okay. So, you know, he usually, you know, he used to come with some of his guys, but, you know, that there's that whole thing going on over there. Right. You know, which that's not my place to talk about, so I won't. <laughs> I won't. I got my own opinions about it, but um, you know. So we got Gordon Ryan. So we got Craig, Sam McHale, Gordon Ryan, yeah. all in a three week span. It's like, what the fuck am I going to teach? What am I, <laughs> at this point, what am I doing here? I'm pretty much opening up like an open house place. Like, who wants to teach jujitsu? <laughs> but I mean, it's great for the school too because these yeah. are you know, you know, Craig's phenomenal. Even though like people might not know who he is, they should know who he is. Sam McHale is what he's doing with Emerald City is incredible. Mm-hmm. And then you got Gordon. And he Ryan. was an amazing competitor too. He still is. Sam, yeah. Still is. Um, and then you got Gordon Ryan. And for the school, it's great because it gets our it's name out name. there. Absolutely. People get to see who we are, mm-hmm. and you know it, it kind of sets a tone. It really does. You know, it sets a tone. I mean, for lack of anything better, I mean, if you get people that really know BJJ, obviously that's him. But there's something else you create that sort of excitement around well, the school. I know someone who ran into someone who trains at a different school, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, you train at that school in Montgomery?" And they're like, "Yeah." They're like, "Did you guys just have Gary Tonin and Gordon Ryan there?" <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, it was when I was in Costa Rica, and I had Gary and Gordon I uh, that, yeah. sub for me." Yeah. And they're like, "Oh yeah," and the guy was like, "Serious question: How the fuck did you? Who, how does your instructor pull that off?" Hey, right. And they're like, "Oh well, he's like good friends with them." And I'm like, oh, and it's a little like, it's like I can get away with shit that most people can't just because yeah, you I, really you can. know, I stepped in shit. I found some gold, but they're no, my but buddies. You never like to name drop the whole thing, but it's like, let's be honest. I don't. Cause I'm not a cock rider. Didn't I'm not like Gordon Ryan, Gary Tone and Tom DeBlasco. That's so cheesy to me. It is, but it's real. So that's why I don't do it. Yeah. You know, like when they're here, I'll post pictures. You know, I use them when I can. Mm-hmm. Like the last time Gordon was here, I didn't even tell people he was coming. Right. Oh, he I just, remember that. He yeah. just showed up. People were like, oh. I was like, surprise. Very cool. And even that, like, and just, he was with Ethan. He was. He was. Well, even that, I'm, I'm, because people get on Gordon for his social media presence and his social media persona. And listen, the guy's a businessman. He's doing what he's doing. Do I agree with everything he does? No, but that's not me. You're not supposed to agree with everything people do. We were supposed to have Tom coming in. 
I remember that. And, you know, somehow Tom had gotten wind that the, you know, uh, the health department was going to stop by a school. I mean, we're still in the middle of COVID. Yeah, like, we, right. we weren't really yeah. supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be six feet apart. And, right, we're, right, right. and we're all violating rules. And Tom was like, dude, I can't make it. And I was like, all right, don't worry about it. You know, we got to keep each other's academy safe. That's most important. Right. I reached out to Gordon. I was like, dude, please don't kill me. I need a huge favor. Is there any way you can come teach at my school tomorrow night? He's like, yes, under one condition. You got to train with me in the morning. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, fine, we'll train. So we trained the next morning. Right. And then he taught. Like, we're talking 24 hours notice. Yeah. This is the GOAT. This is yeah. the king. And he was here. Good you kid. know, people give him so much shit, but it's That's like. a good kid. <clears throat> he's a very loyal. Like, he's always been very good to me. Yeah. You know, he always like shouts me out when he's on podcasts. He always lets people know like, like, oh, so you started with Gary Tony. He's like, no, I started with Miguel Benitez. Miguel Benitez was my first coach. You know, he invited me on his podcast, you know, the King Ryan show with Flow Grappling. It was mm-hmm. me and Tom. I'm sorry, it was Tom and me. You know, he's always been very good to me. Yeah. And I tell him all the time, I'm like, you don't have to do that stuff. Like, I don't expect anything from but you. But he wants that. You know <clears> what I'm saying? Like, he know, he, you know, he. That's what I'm trying to use his name. That's what I'm trying to use his name for that. Like, Mm. if you look around the school, I don't have a lot of pictures of just Gordon and me. I've got one great picture of me, Gordon, Gary, and Tom. And it's when we're all laughing. That's just one of my favorite pictures. But those are my buds. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, 45 minutes. Finally fucking getting there. Finally get there. there. Um, (laughs) And you said, keep it to 20 minutes. (laughs) Well, we kind of... Listen, we had a lot of things to announce. What's going on with the school? And it does get into... We're promoting people to new belts, right. which gets to the next thing. So we're talking about belt. I, I said to you the other day, what do you want to talk about? And you said, I don't know. Let's talk about belt progression. It's okay. important. So let's go belt by belt by belt. Okay. All right. I'll tell you what I think it is. You tell me what you think it is. Okay. All right. When I think white belt, I think the whole goal is to become untappable. And what I mean by that is you really concentrate on your defense. Okay. You concentrate on your escapes. You concentrate on getting used to people on top of you in a very, very uh, pressured and intense way. That's kind of what I, when I talk to white belts, that normally what I say, that should be your goal in the first year of being a white belt. I consider a white belt to almost be like a child. Okay. Everything's new. You're seeing everything for the first time, maybe the second time. You're starting to kind of figure things out. You're starting to put words together. You're learning how to walk. You're learning how to run. You're learning how to tie your shoes. I like that metaphor. You're learning all the fundamental things, and it's all new to you. You know, you're seven years old, and you're riding a bike without training wheels for the first time. Everything's new. You're learning all the basic things that you're going to need for life. You're learning rules. You're learning right from wrong. You're learning how to tie your belt. You know, you're learning how to wipe your ass right, and not piss on the floor. That's what you're learning as a white belt. You are a child mm-hmm. and that's okay. You got to go through that phase. So what, what would be the goal coming out of white belt? Like, I, I think the goal for white belt is, and this is what happens. Everyone gets so fixated on getting to blue belt. Blue belt becomes this huge goal. I want to get my blue belt. I want to get my blue belt. Right. Because you think by the time you get to your blue belt, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Your goal at White Belt should be to just try to see as many things as you can, put yourself out there, understand that you're going to not be that great, and try to get to blue. Stick it out for a year and get to blue. 
because then I like that idea of just sticking it out, sticking it out for a year, just get used to the consistency yes. aspect of it and get to blue and start realizing that it's, it's learning. You're not going to get good at it in right. a year. Get to blue. I always ask the white belts. I said, are you enjoying yourself? And yeah, nine out of 10 times they'll say just to say it to me. Yes. I'm like, are you really enjoying this? Are you, I mean, are you making this a, a something, a passion that where you think about it at night and this and that. And every time I talk to people, they're all, you know, that stick with it. That's their thought process. Yeah. It's, it's a part of their life. Yeah. And that's, what's great about the whole jujitsu journey. We'll get to this by the time you get to black belt. What's great about jujitsu is when you get your black belt, everything about your life will have changed. Yeah. Every aspect in your life will have changed. I'm not talking about because you got in shape or this. I'm talking about I was 21 years old when I started training jiu-jitsu. Right. I was 30, about to be 31 when I got my black belt. At one phase, I was living upstairs in my mom's attic. That's when I started jiu-jitsu. Living in my mom's attic, 21 years old, serving tables. By the time I got my black belt, I was a married man with a child on the way. Right. Life happens, right. but one thing has to stay consistent, and that's you find a way to get onto the mats. Mm-hmm. That has to be a consistent part of your life if you want to get to black belt, and that's fucking hard. No doubt. It's not easy. Because it's a combination of the physicality of it, the learning aspect, and the consistency of getting in to do both of those things. Right. Well, now, now let's get into the blue belt, because here's the thing. When you're at white belt, and you've probably already seen this, Guys starting their gun ho. Their white belts, they're here every day, yep. multiple classes. Like, oh, so this is only your third class? This is my tenth class this week. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that guy's also a purple belt and has been yeah. doing this for four or five years. Mm-hmm. You've been doing it for four or five minutes. Settle down. Right. Put right. some time in. Then you get to blue belt. Mm-hmm. Blue belts are like teenagers. They know enough to be dangerous, oh, yeah. but not enough to realize that they're fucking dumb. Right. And they don't know what they're they doing. The keys to the car. Just yep. <laughs> and they think because they got a license, they know how to drive. When in reality, they're going to crash that shit real quick. <laughs> Blue belts are the most dangerous person on the mats. Okay. All right. They know what they know. They know what to do. But they haven't figured out how to properly use it. Mm. All right. They know if you load the gun and you pull the trigger, it'll, it'll shoot. But they haven't learned the little nuances of trigger control and finger control and where to aim they're just like yeah i know how to use this gun bang (laughs) you know blue belts you know and they all think they got it figured out because here's the thing but here's the thing it takes about eight to 12 months to go from white to blue right blue to purple is any other martial art that's how long it takes you get to black belt right right yeah any other martial art you know Two, three, four years, you're getting your black belt. Right. That's how long it takes you to go from blue to purple. Right. I was a blue belt for three and a half years. Right. Three and a half years. About the same. Yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. It's so, so worth it, though. It is, but you know what happened? You, you, because you, you turned blue belt into this phenomenal thing while you were a white belt. I loved it when I was a blue belt. I was fucking over it. It was the best time of my life. Yeah. You know, blue belt. Cause like, you know, eh, you're a blue belt. You're kind of learning. It, right. It's a tough road. It gets hard. You can see yourself changing. You start figuring out what your game is. You start figuring out what positions you like. You right. play around with everything. You think you're ready for the next belt. Then you're like, I'm not ready for the next belt. <laughs> right. Then you're like, no, I'm definitely ready. And then you're like, I'm, I'm definitely done with this sport. Mm-hmm. This isn't for me. 
I'm going to keep it up. That's blue belt. You're very dangerous because you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you're beating up the white belts because you got you just got your ass kicked for eight months. Right. And it's the time. It's hard to wear the same belt yeah, for three years, four yeah, years, the five euf- years. The euphemism is the you know blue belt blues, but I, I just I that is my favorite part though. Forgetting the fact that it, you know you got to get a progression. I'm saying this is the bet. You roll harder, okay, because you can roll harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other take is that you don't have a fear of tapping because you don't have the ego any longer. Yeah, you may have a you know you don't want to tap certainly. But you don't have the fear of tapping anymore, you know? See, I think the opposite can happen. I think early on in Blue Belt, you don't have the fear of it. And then what happens is when you get to mid-level Blue Belt and mm-hmm. you're still getting tapped, you start feeling like you're never going to get good at this. Okay. Because you created that. this this thing in your head that at Blue Belt's when it starts to make sense. Right. You're like, right, By the right. time I'm a Blue Belt, I'll be, I'll be a fucking world champ. I got this. Like yeah. Blue Belt's where it's at. I mean, it's all about trying new things, too. You know, you're, you're experiment, experimenting with your game. Well, that's the other thing, more. too. You're experimenting with all these things, and it's like, why are you experimenting with that? This part of your game is still atrocious. Mm-hmm. But you want to so progress. You want to progress. And and I'll tell you right now, you say you love blue belt. Wait till you get your black belt. You're going to look back at purple belt and be like, that was the best. Possibly. It Possibly. Was. Purple belt is... So blue belt, you're a teenager. Yeah, let's, let's just finish up on the blue belt just for a yeah. second there because i did want to discuss the the like you said the blue belt blues it's a real thing 70 percent of 70 percent of people that quit jujitsu quit at blue belt right i knew there that's was... where there's all those memes it's like it's like it's like oh what happened to your training partner goes blue belt because that's where they start to quit because it's tough, man. I remember, well, because it, it coincides with what I consider to be the four to five year mark. And like I, like I used to look at martial arts like a college degree. I would get my five, you know, my four or five year degree in this, and then I'd get my four to five year degree in that, and then I'd get my four to five degree in that, and then I could leave and go feel good going to the next martial art. But this keeps you in. Well, I remember when I got my purple belt, right. um, uh, Hollis Gracie was there when I got my purple belt and I, I had said to Haas, I was like, man, like in the time it took me to go from blue to purple, like most people are graduating like college. It's right. four years. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And Hollis looks at me, he goes, now it's time to get your doctorate. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> because that's the thing from the time to go from purple to black, mm-hmm. it's not much longer than blue to purple. Right. You fly through purple and brown, but blue, but you're like a teenager. You know, you don't know anything. You don't understand me. This is what everyone's listening to now. You're like, what is this? What is this Ashi Garami thing? You're just like, oh, it's what all the kids are doing now, Dad. You just don't get it. And you're like, no, I get it. I get it. It's just a little different to me. But you got to learn it. But that's a blue belt. Then you hit the blue belt blues. where, And this this is what happens at blue belt. It feels like you've been training forever. Right. Because you've been doing something three years, four years, Mm -hmm. five years. And that is a long time to be doing one thing. The problem is in that time, you start seeing those white belts catching up to you. Right. And it's disheartening because you're like, I'm not getting better. I'm not getting better. That's the common thing with blue belts. They start to feel like I'm not getting better. It's like you're where you need to be right now. Mm. These white belts are going to catch up to you. Because you're only a blue belt. You're not that far ahead of them. Right. Figure out your game. 
keep doing what you got to do. Start fine-tuning it. And it's right when you get to that I'm not getting better phase that you realize, okay, what shit do I need to eliminate that I need to hone in on Mm. to really tighten up my game? That's where you develop your game. Right. I do a lot of things out of half guard. Uh, You know, Gordon Ryan actually complimented me on that. He said, you play half, but you're constantly transitioning to new positions. He's like, you'll go single leg X, you'll go X, you'll go De La Hiva, you'll go reverse De La Hiva. Right, right, right. He's like, you're constantly moving around, so I have to adjust. But it came off of me first developing a fundamental, solid half guard. Right. Now I can add to it. So you're saying that the blue belt time frame should be about you finding your game 100%. Okay. That's what Blue Belt is. It's you figuring out what your game is. What do you like to do? What have you tried? What isn't working? Right. And right when you get to that year and a half, two year point as a Blue Belt, when everyone's, you know, catching up to you and you're not getting better, that's when you realize get rid of some of the shit. Right. Stop trying everything. What are you yeah. having success with? Focus on that. Well, it's like, you know, you, you see that video on YouTube and you're like, I got to try that. <clears throat> no, you don't. No, you don't. Wait. Yeah. Wait for it. Your time's going to come when you can do that. And maybe some people, it's like, you might see something on YouTube that already fits your game. Right. So try it. But don't be, you know, a a De La Hiva player and all of a sudden be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to try flying arm bars. It's like, oh, well, you're going to hurt someone in the process. (laughs) You know, we have, uh, you know, Manny and Max, perfect examples. Right. You know, they come from a wrestling background. But their games are completely different. Max likes to invert. Max likes to create scrambles. Max, you know, likes to do anything where he can spin into it, you know, right. in rolls and things of that nature. Whereas Manny He's uses pressure, kid. pressure. Yeah. Heavy top pressure, and he moves his hips very, very well. That's his game. Right. So let's let's build on that. Build the foundation. Right. Right. White belt, you're digging the hole, you're clearing the ground. Mm-hmm. Blue belt, you're laying down the foundation. The boring shit. But it's the most important part, no right? Yeah. You buy a house and they tell you there's a crack in the foundation. <laughs> you're probably not buying that house. <laughs> or you're like, uh, yeah, you're paying to fix that and right. then we'll do it. Why? Because it's the first thing they did. It's um, it, it seems so boring and so dumb, but that is important. Because everything you build goes onto that foundation. Absolutely. But it's boring and it's hard. And people are going to catch up to you. And people are going to start forcing you to play a specific game. Because if you're doing a million different games and a million different positions, yeah, you'll have a bunch of things you can do, but you probably won't be good at any of them. Hmm. Pick what you're good at or what comes, I don't want to say easy, but feels more natural. Yeah. Build on that. I call it my default game. Yeah. You know, Build on that. No matter where I am, no matter what I do, once I get to that default game, like you used to say in the uh, tournaments, as soon as you got to half guard, you know you're home. Yes. But it took, a, even for me, like I literally, probably for about a year, year and a half, maybe even longer, I literally worked on three sweeps from half guard. Right. Three. I added things to them, but those three were the ones I was, every round, I was attacking them. That's what I was going for. My teammates knew I was going for them. My training partners knew I was going for them. And every time they defended them, I was like, how did you stop it? Let's get it better. Because that became the foundation for my game. And I still hit them now. And now when I hit them, they feel a lot you know, more effortless. 
because right. I've been doing it for 13, 14 years. And your body knows where the defenses are exactly going to come from. Exactly how to go. Yeah, and listen, every now and then someone still surprises me with something small. And I'm like, hmm. Right. You know, Luke Moeller did something with my DPAF when we were at Costa Rica. I was like, what the fuck did you do? Right. I said, bro, it's just this grip I've been playing with. It's not a lot, but the angle you get it at stops any movement. And I was like, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Because I couldn't do anything. It really negated my game. Uh and then he's like, I still couldn't pass it. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make me feel better. Mm. Not at all. Wow. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. So it makes me angry. But So right. that's your blue belt. So you get out of the blue belt. You're now in purple belt. Now, I'm going to say something. I don't know if it's true, but tell me if you agree. You know how they always talk about the idea that you don't believe you're worthy of the belt? Mm-hmm. I think purple belt is where a lot of people say that. I'm not worthy of the belt. Yes. You get your blue from your white, you know, your white struggle. And you're like, yeah, I, I've been through the mill. I get the, my blue belt. But this was the first belt I got where I'm like, do I really deserve this? Right. You know, did I roll with enough guys? Did I, did I do enough? Do I, is my game solid enough to be purple belt? It's funny you say that because I bet when you first get your blue belt, you're like, hell yeah, purple belt, here I come. And then once you go through the gauntlet and you've been humbled and you've worked through it and you've been through the everyone's catching up and you have to minimalize and simplify your game to advance and you start creating your game and maybe it changes from what you thought it was going to be. Right, right. You realize like, man, so much goes into this. Yep. This really isn't a couple, like a couple year thing where you get it. Mm -hmm. And then you see that. That's what I'm talking about. Like, do you you see that purple belt? When I got my purple belt, that was the first time I said, I don't know if I really deserve this. You know, I I completely understand it. And it's because by the time you get to purple belt, you realize the significance of those higher belts. Yeah. Plus once you get to purple, that's great. Once you get to purple, you're just as far from black belt as you are from white belt. Yeah. You're right there in the middle. Yeah. Purple belt is like you're treading water in the ocean. You're there. You have your game. You know what you like to do. You got blue belts attacking you. So you're turning it up on them. The brown belts aren't taking it light on you anymore. Right. Because they're like, hey, you're going to be here before you know it. So you got brown belts putting it on you. So you're having wars with brown belts. And then the black belts, you're like, I can probably hit something on them. So that basic game you were building as a blue belt, you're trying to hit on some black belt. And maybe you get close. Maybe you even hit it. And you're like, okay. This is real. I'm doing shit. And then the black belt realized, like, oh, good sweep. Now I'm going to have to smash you. And you're like, fuck. (laughs) But you've been humbled because you were broken down at blue belt. Purple belt's that first belt where you really start hitting that that upper tier, that, you know, upper management seniority level. Exactly. Where it's like if things get out of line, you'll be like, listen, I'm I'm going to slow down this blue belt real quick. Yeah. You got to settle down, young buck. I know you got your blue belt yesterday, but. Relax. You're like, right. no, nah, bro, I've been working on this move that I saw. It's like, okay, <laughs> settle down. And at that point, you've got some years in. You know, you got four or five right. years in at that point. Like, I look at the the purple belt as you got to roll with everybody just to see how your game fits in mm-hmm. with every different kind of body type, yeah. you know, whether they're smaller, whether they're larger, whatever it happens to be. And that, to me, is really where the experimentation comes in with purple belt and, uh, you know. As much as possible, kind of put yourself in the in in those hot areas where you know you, you know, can't get out of. Put yourself in. I'll I'll even explain this because these belts really transition to like things in life. White belt is like the honeymoon phase of a relationship. <laughs> okay, everything's hot. The kisses are awesome. You know, 
you know, the fornication's really good. Yeah. You know, it's exciting. Blue belt is kind of like when like you're moving in with each other and you're engaged and people are like, are you ready to get married? You're like, oh, we're already kind of married. You know, yeah. it's like, okay. You have no idea what but you it, don't it's know. It's the first time where you get it, you know, catch your underwear and yeah. you're like, wait a minute, what the hell is yep. coming out of her body? Yep. Or like you smell her feet yeah. and you're it's, like, yeah, I guess I'll smell her that. feet. Yeah, it's, it's like the first time she walks in the bathroom after you took a dump and you're right. like, uh-oh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the hair from the sink. Or like she takes off her shoes and you're like... What the fuck is that smell? You know? It's like, what is this cream? It's like, what sweaty palms? Leave me alone. Like things that they never knew about you. I remember, it's a true story. I was, I do, I like to do impressions. And I was like, I was watching the, um, I think it's called Game Changer on HBO. It's a story of um, John McCain. And oh, I can't remember her name. What was her name? The, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin from Alaska. Yeah. And I'm watching the movie and I'm like, trying to copy the voice of oh, Sarah Palin. And I'm like, I'm Sarah Palin. I'm Sarah Palin. I'm Sarah Palin. And I'm doing this by right, myself. Right. Steph comes out of the bedroom. She goes, oh my God, <laughs> you practice. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> because it's like, I've never, no one's ever seen, it's not practicing. I just kind of do it to amuse yeah, myself yeah, until yeah. I can hit it. And uh, she goes, you actually work on these voices? I'm like, well, yeah, you think I just pull it out of my ass? And I'm like, oh, this is what Gordon talks like. No, it takes, like, I work on it until I make myself laugh. And then, But it was like one of those things where, like, fourth wall's been broken. She looked behind the curtain. It's not a wizard. It's just a dude back here. Tonight you were rolling with, uh, or you were okaying with, uh, what's his name, uh, Dom. Dom. Love Dom. I love Dom. Love Dom. But you ended up going into like a Christopher Walken voice. And I'm like, what voice is that? I forgot what it was. I forget what it was. I do I do a bunch of voices. It's crazy. Um, my son's starting to do them too. Oh, he's mimicking? Yeah. Okay. He's, like, he's doing a lot of like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. So he goes, <laughs> I'm Jack the Pumpkin. You know who he did the other day? Who's I was that? dying. He did uh, Darth Sidious oh, from wow. Star Wars. He's like, he's like that. He talks like this. Join the dark side. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, why do you sound like you're him? my boy? I was so proud. I was like, That's and awesome. then Steph looks at him and looks at me. She goes, oh, God. Because <laughs> then Juliana tries to copy. She's like, oh, the dark side. I'm like, this is going to be great. Poor Steph's outnumbered. She should have thought. She should have known better. My Aunt Rosie told her. She's like, do yourself a favor. Don't procreate. He's got strong <laughs> genes and he's weird and he's got issues and your kids will be just as weird. I love Steph was like, I think they'll be okay. No, my kids are off the wall. They are just, they're it's animals. A beautiful thing, man. Give me a kiss. No my way, My son Jose. cracks me up all the time. I love them. They're, they become my, your best friends. Yeah. They're they, your little I, buds. You know, they really, really, and as, you know, thankfully as they get older, they, hopefully you maintain that relationship. I hope so. It's awesome. Well, but then we get into like the purple belt, right? Okay. And that's going back. So white belt, you just started dating, you know, white belt, you just started your job, blue belt, you're getting comfortable with your job. Right. You're eyeing promotions. You're yeah. eyeing the next I'm step. Be the manager yeah, in three, four got, years. Yeah. I'm going to do this. And then by 30 years, I retire. I got my pension. You're st you got it all figured out. Absolutely. We live together. What else is there going to be to know? I know everything about her, right. blah, blah, blah. Purple belts when you realize like this shit's not gonna be that easy. <laughs> no. Purple, you've been living together for a while. Oh yeah. Maybe you just got married. She's like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, this is this is gonna be work. Yeah. This is not as easy as I thought it was gonna be. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been working the job for a couple of years and you're like, I don't know if I want to go into management. They work really hard. They deal with a lot of they <laughs> deal just with stay me. in this cubicle. Yeah, you're like, around. I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to get off the trains. <laughs> right. Like I remember I would always feel bad for the train masters. I was like, that's what they're calling the transit. You have train masters. 
uh, and road foremans. And the train masters are like super, you got senior train master, chief train master, wow. deputy, and keeps climbing up the ladder. I remember I was like, I don't want to be a train master. Train master's got to deal with me. I'm a pain in the ass. Why would I want to deal with myself? I'm like, I'll stay on the train being a pain in the ass. Then they were like, hey, you want to come in the train department? I was like, ah, no, that's a different that's angle. I was like, different. that I can do. Purple belt is when you start to realize how much work goes into it, how much yeah. responsibility. Because now when you're a purple belt and people come into the school, they look up to you. Mm. They have questions. The blue belts eye you like, you know, like fresh food. Like they're, they want to attack you. Like, I'm going to get his old ass today. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think so, homie. Like, you know, you're, you already, your guard goes up by purple belt yeah. on the mats. No doubt. But when class is over, you're a senior member. Yeah. You're that person everyone's coming to for advice. And then you get to brown belt. Brown belt is interesting. Well, I think it's the first time, aside from the fact that you've embraced the role, it's the first time I think you might begin to contemplate teaching and coaching. Well, if you want to do it full time. Right. Because by blue belt, if you want to start coaching, that's the best time to do it. And you start with the little kids. Right. You got to suffer. Yeah. Those kids' classes are brutal. Uh Everyone's like, yeah, I want to teach the kids. And after like two weeks, they're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> it's hard. But I tell everyone, if you want to be a good coach, teach the kids' class. Yeah. If you can keep a five-year-old's attention, keep them engaged, get them to listen, and get them to learn a technique, yeah, you can do it with an adult. And right now, you know, we got Scott and Max, and they're doing an incredible phenomenal, job together. Phenomenal they're like, they're a really good tag team. I think it's because Scott's like such a dad, and like the right. kids see that, and like especially like his kids are in the class. And Max isn't that much older than the kids. So they're like, they got like mom and dad. They're like, all right, Coach Scott's going to yell at us, but he's actually really nice and sweet. Right, right. And then there's Max who's like, you know, hugging and like, hey, what's up, guys? Let's go, dude. Right. He's got the crazy hair. The kid's like, Coach Max is so cool. Then he talks about Coach Max at home. Oh, he's like, really? he's uh, like, he'll do something. He goes, Dad, I'm going to show this to Coach Max. Uh, and I'm like, all right. But um, I, I, as far as the specifics of how you're going to grow your game, I think you refine your game at that point. You economize your movements a little bit more. You, you're, you're closing the holes in a sense. Purple belts when you really start to close up all the gaps. Mm-hmm. And you, that's when you start building on your game. Mm-hmm. All right, you already got your foundation from blue belt. Purple belt is you start putting up the frame. You start laying out, this is going to be the living room. This is the kitchen. You start putting in the plumbing. You start putting in, uh, you know, the dishwasher. You start figuring out where everything is going to go. Right. You know what it is. You know what you know what the house is going to look like at yeah, this you, point. You envision it. Absolutely. Right. It's there. It's like there's going to be the stairs here. These are the three beds. Everything's laid out. Brown belt is where you hit that, uh, hit that point where now you're just, you're cleaning it up. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're adding a couple extra things like, you know what, maybe instead of making this a single closet, let's make it a walk-in closet. Right, right. You know, maybe instead of just playing half guard, let's try some deep half. Let's see what I can do with the butterfly hook. Right. Hmm, maybe I can transition I can transition this to X guard. Holy shit, I'm an X guard player. You start adding things to it. And it's that point where you really are treading water in your jujitsu. Mm. Because brown belts, let's call it what it is. Brown belt is the waiting room for black belt. You're just hanging out. Yeah, all the purple belts know it. They look at you like, yeah, he's a brown belt, but we know what brown belt means. Right. You're just waiting to get your black. Brown belt's like your senior year of high school. Yeah. You already committed to the college. So you know you're, where you're so going you next year. So you don't say there's like a, uh, you don't see the brown belts leaving the yard at that point. 
I believe the number of brown belts that quit is like 3%. Okay. That's what I'm You're right there. Yeah, you're right there. You're already six, seven, eight years in, maybe even more. Right. Yeah, this is this is already a part of your life by brown belt. Right. You just got to keep doing what you're doing. And the black belt's there. You know, you've been married for four or five years at this point. You got the house. Everything's pretty standard and right. substantial. You know what's going on. You got your job in management. You realize you're actually pretty good at it. You're comfortable. Are there guys that, that stay in brown belt, though, because maybe they don't stick with a school or like... That's going to happen anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, we had that happen here. We have two gentlemen who are getting promoted next year. Both of them were four-stripe four blue belts when okay. they started here, which means they've been blue belts for a while. Yeah, right. They've been here for over a year, each one. I think uh, Brian's been here for about, you know, 14, 15 months. Yeah. And uh, Sean's been here for about the same, maybe a little longer. Yeah, two great guys. Great guys. Yeah. But, you know, when you do that, it, it does. When you change schools and change teams, you you do take a step back. Yeah. Because even if you're great, that instructor is going to be like, mm, mm. I want you to kind of do my system. I kind of want you. And it could be vice versa. You could come from a great squad, a great team, and then go somewhere. And they're like, oh, no, you're a brown belt. Here you go. Boom. You know, it happens. Right, right. But uh, these guys, you know, they were very good when they got here. And I could see that they had some holes in their game. And I wanted to tighten up those gaps, tighten up those goals. You know, someone like Sean was a very heavy gi or no gi guy. And I was like, you know what? Before he gets the purple, he's got to tighten up the gi game. And, and it's not one of those things where it's like, you have to be good at the gi as you are no gi. No, but you got to be able to use the gi. And maybe I'm old school in this thought, but I feel like to be, I feel to be a black belt, you should be a black belt in both. Oh, sure. Absolutely. That's just my, my honest belief. And I think it's much easier to take the gi off and be a no-gi black belt than to put the gi on. You know, and this is where people people forget Tom won Pan Ams as a brown belt in the gi. Uh Gary, same thing. Gordon was winning up until like blue purple belt in the gi. Like competing at a high level before they took the gi off. And I think with the new generation, they're all like, no nah, man, I just do no gi. I just do no gi. Because no gi's sexy. It's fun. It's exciting. It's yeah. fast. It's geared for athletic kids. The gi is a great way to slow it down. It neutralizes a lot of things. No doubt, yeah. Because there's grips. so many more chokes too. I grips, mean. everything. You can really prevent someone from moving around. Mm -hmm. Someone can have a perfect guard. They break your guard. They stand, and you just grab their pant leg and pull. And they're like, "What?" Yep. It, it's it's a great neutralizer, and it's great, especially as you start getting older and you have some injuries. The gi game is a great way to slow it down and really get comfortable. But I, I do believe you have to be good at both. That's my belief. Absolutely agree. You know, percent. You know, Eddie Bravo is a 10th Planet guy, and those guys are like, hey, why not just be a black belt in no gi? Man, I support you too. Some of those 10th Planet guys are doing incredible things with Amazing. this sport to each their own. I just, in my heart, truly believe that you should be a black belt in both. Um, I wore the gi predominantly when I trained until I got my brown belt, and that's really when I really took the gi off and started doing a lot more no gi. Right, right. You know, but we're talking at that point, you know, seven, seven years in, eight years in right, right, before right. I was like, oh, I'm just going to strictly do no gi now. But that's only because Gordon, Gary, Tom, all these guys were competing and I was helping them train. And before you know, it, you haven't put on a gi in a while. I don't get the sense in this school, at least, that there is any kind of, uh, you know, problem or any kind of uh, stigma to wearing the gi. You're wrong. Seriously? Yes. I mean, maybe with the younger people, you know, the younger guys, I, I don't know. It's just part of the art so, to me. 
So I just had a meeting with uh, the coaches a couple days ago. And I love having my coaches meeting because I want the coaches to have input. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin, Max, Scott, um, you know, Vic. And we're moving the striking class from Monday and Thursday, 630 to just Fridays. Okay. Uh, because we're growing and the sign outside says jujitsu. So we have to offer more jujitsu. So now instead of the striking, it's going to be four days, Monday through Thursday, fundamentals geared for brand new white belts and blue belts. It's important. It's important. I remember talking to Ricardo one time when I was a blue belt. I was like, professor, I just, I can't get this. I can't get that. And he looked at me, he's like, man, like when was the last time you went to a, like a, a basic class? I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I like laughed at it. Like, right, why right, would right. I go there? He's like, man, do me a favor. He's like, this week, only go to basic class. And I was like, yeah. He goes, trust me. And I did it. And the next week, all the shit I was having trouble with, no more. Yeah. Because you got to always work the fundamentals sure. and you know what it made me think of i think he might have even said it he was like you watch baseball and i was like i never he goes what do baseball players do before every game i was like they got batting practice he goes basics basics mm -hmm. and it's true so a lot of these guys want to get you know more more no gi and uh i was like listen we're gonna make the fundamental class all gi monday tuesday wednesday it's in the gi with thursday being no gi and then, you know, we ran that mixed class. Well, that's no more. That 730 class is now two stripes and up. Right. Because you got to work on your basics. You got to work on your fundamentals. And it's great because we're at a point with the school where we have enough students where we got to split it. Mm -hmm. There's just too much of a gap in, in skill levels because right. we've got people who have been training four years. You're not going to be able to go the same speed as someone who started yesterday. Right. Nor should they have to. So it's a good sign for the school, but we're making that switch. Um, so... When I told the coaches yesterday, I was like, I think all the classes should be in the gi. And, of course, they're like, okay, can you tell us why? I was like, yes. Number one, they need to learn the discipline. They need to wear the gi. They need to understand grips. They need to understand hand fighting. Sure. They need to understand how to f keep your elbows in. And the gi is so less forgiving. You make a mistake in the gi, it's going to cost you. Right, right, right. And I was like, plus, when people walk by, they see the gi. It looks better. Now it looks like, ooh, what is that? What are they doing in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to Nogi, where it just looks like wrestling or fighting, because that's what people see. Right. Uh, and then I looked at him. I was like, plus, like, not for nothing, guys. It's my fucking school, and that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, like, they laugh. Well, you believe it. <laughs> well, yeah. Every yeah, now and then, you got to remind guys, like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. Right, right. Because, like, I pay the rent. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they understood. And I want these guys to also learn that, because I truly believe one day they're going to have academies if they want them, and I think they would do well, right. but there's some things you got to have there. And I think the gi is one of them because the gi is what new, the gi is what allows that 50 year old man to come in and slow down a 21 year old. Absolutely. I use it all the time. That yeah. Way. You want to slow down Manny, put a gi on him, yeah. get some grips. You'll slow him down. Absolutely. So we're making that switch and I'm very excited about it. Uh, but that's, um, uh, that's why I like the gi. I think everyone should be a black belt. In so both. let's talk about the, the other part I mean, we talked about belt progression, but let's talk about the other part, and that's being a what I call a citizen of the BJJ community, okay? And what I mean by that is, is bring people in to mm. BJJ, yeah. okay? And the ones that are here, make them friggin' happy, you know, to be here. Yeah. 
you know? And that really falls on the senior students. Yep. You're a purple belt. You're a brown belt. You've been doing this five years, six years, seven years. Why? You need to explain it to the white belt and the blue belt why you're still here. And you don't do it with your words. You do it with your actions. Right. That's how you do it. That's why it's important for the brown belts and the purple belts. You know, we got like one brown belt here at the trains. We got like, you know, a handful of purple belts now. But that's why the responsibility is on you to go up to those new students and be like, hey, I'm wrong. and you do, you do a phenomenal job with it. I love that word. You do such a good job with it with these white belts. That's why I always pair you up with them. Um, it's not because you're old. It's because you take the, you take these young guys. Yeah. And in their mind, they're like, all right, this guy's like, you know, he's older. But then you're like, yeah, but like you're so strong and you know so much about this and your story is so great. You've been doing this so long and they start to look up to you. They love you when you come in. I hope so. But it's like I I just I just believe in the not only the progression of the art, but I just believe in the fact that we're so lucky to be here. You know, all of us don't take it for granted. You know. The whole idea is I've just like when I walk in here, it just puts a smile on my face. I just can't say that enough. Me too, man. Yeah. It, but you know, but I also had, um, I had higher ranked guys that took me under their wing. Yeah. You know, I had Haas who was a purple belt, take me under his wing when I was a blue belt. I had Tom, I had, you know, guys like Dante who, you know, Tom especially who like really for no reason at all, you know, just took me in i don't know why right i have a now i kind of sort of understand and believe why he did it and it took me owning a school to realize like okay like he wasn't full of shit like right sometimes you see something in someone and you're like this needs to be something you do and i see it with the guys here and you know i tell like vic and i tell manny and max and i tell uh i tell justin the things that i think they could achieve now i'm not i'm not blowing smoke up their ass i believe it yeah. You know, and each one has different things that I think they can achieve. Right. But I think they can find success. You know, and I think you know, Scott thing- Dowd is another one. I tell Scott, I'm like, dude, if you ever want to run a school, you could probably be very, very successful. Easily. 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 He's got the temperament. He's got the way about him. I, I, that's the other thing. I think that a lot of people really appreciate about this is that it's a true meritocracy. You mm. know what I'm saying? There's no politics. Great, great word to choice. <laughs> There's no politics to this. There's no hiding from it. You either do well or your game does not do well. It's not going to. And I think people appreciate that that fact because it's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, and it's it's just such an incredible world with jujitsu, and it's such a small world and, you know, your rank means so much to people. And it's not because like, oh, he's a purple belt. That's awesome. Ooh. It's because once you've been doing this for a while, you understand what goes into it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like we've all had jobs. Where you see someone become the manager, or you see exactly. someone get promoted, and That's you're like, what "I'm talking about." You're like, you know, he only got that job because his dad works here, right? Right. You know, he only got that because he did this. You know, he only got that because he was threatening to sue. Like, that's gone here. Yep. Like next week, you know what's going to be one of the most excited there's about no next week? There's no skin color. There's no anything. There's it's no bullshit. Gone. It's Doesn't just, mean shit. Right. It's like, can you do it on the mats? Right. And like, what I get most excited about, and I'm glad we're talking about this because we're promoting. Like four purple belts, like yep. five blue belts. It's not seeing the the guys who are getting it. It's seeing everyone else genuinely clapping, oh yeah, smiling, and being like, "He fucking earned it. That guy deserves it." 
That guy deserves it. Even like now when I tell people like, yo, you know, so-and-so is getting their purple belt. Or like when I'm like, hey, Alan's getting his purple belt. Everyone's like, yes. People have literally told me I'm going to be here. Someone told me last week, they're like, I cleared my schedule. I'm going to be here on Thursday. I need to see Alan get his purple belt. Beautiful. Because you you understand the work that went into it, and that's such a beautiful thing in a world full of full of haters and people mm-hmm. that are just jealous and envious and yep. they're like, he doesn't deserve that. On these mats, you see what people deserve. Yep. And by training jujitsu, you start to see how much hard work people put into other aspects of their life and you start to appreciate yep. and support them when they do well. And you know what? Maybe that person didn't deserve that promotion, but they got it. And somehow they they found a way to get there. You know what? Kudos to them. Yep. My time will come because that's the other thing. For every person getting promoted, there's people that's not. Yep. And sometimes you think you're ready for it. You think you deserve it. And it's like, you're not. Yep. How come I didn't get my belt? Well, number one, the fact that you're asking me, exactly. that's why you're fucking not getting it. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah. It's little things. I don't think it, we have any of those people in our school. No, nah, we don't. I think everyone's too scared to get that new belt. Yeah. We really have a lot of that. People are scared of that new belt. But you know it's coming for people. Like even today, you got a stripe on your purple belt. Yeah. You know? And like I told you, I was like, brown belt comes quick. Yeah, I know. It's weird. And it then really you'll is. be a black belt. And you're like, when did this happen? And it's like, it happened over the course of 10 years, Roy. right? That's what happened. Yes. But you get your brown belt, you're treading water, you're comfortable, everything's pretty. Well, the good thing is that when I get my black belt you know i'll also be getting social security so yes a, and you just got that it's bump a nice, uh, <laughs> it's a nice tie-in man me. let me tell you right now you were talking about waiting till 65 i don't think you'll be 65 when you get your black belt i don't think you'll be 65 all right but, my friend we're at the uh but what about black belt roy oh i forgot all about that you know what black belt is tell me and i'm gonna end it because i have, i do not have a clue on this and I think it ought to come from your perspective. Completely. I'm going to tell you what black belt is. Yeah. You ready? Black belt is you got the highest possible promotion at your job. Black belt is you graduated college, you got all your degrees, and you got the job you wanted your whole mm-hmm. life. Black belt is you have that perfect marriage, everything's going great, and then you get pregnant. Black belt is when you realize everything you thought you knew right. didn't mean shit, and it actually starts now. That's black belt. Let's shake this ball up and see what happens. That is black belt. And it is liberating and exciting and terrifying. And everyone's attacking you. And everything is hyperspeed but slow down. And everything's so heavy but so easy to move because it's a strength you didn't realize you have. It is the most incredible feeling in the world. And when you get to black belt, you're like, I fucking did this. Yeah. I did it. And no matter what happens in your life, no matter what you lose, you will always be a jujitsu black belt. I could stop training tomorrow and my grandkids will tell their friends like, yeah, my grandpa was a black belt in jujitsu. Really? That's fucking real. Yeah. That's and not you, taekwondo. No, that's it's not, yours, yeah, man. Exactly. And that's why whenever I bump into other black belts or you see other black belts and they're like, oh, I trained jujitsu. Like, oh, well, what belt? And you're like, oh, I'm a black belt. And they're like, I've literally had other black belts meet me on the train. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a black belt. I just got the chills. And they give you uh, a hug. They're like, boha, brother. Because they know like you made it. When you said that, I just got the chills. It's the fucking best, dude. It's like a small little club. It's a cool club. 
And I get to be a black belt under Tom to Blast, which is the fucking most awesome club in the world. Yeah. It's great. That's like proving ground kind of shit. It's awesome. Yeah. That's why I love when people hear my jokes and my stories and they think that I'm just like telling yuck yuck jokes. It's like, <laughs> I've had some fucking wars, dude. Like there was a time in my life where I couldn't wait to wrap up my hands and put on boxing gloves and spar Carlos. And I'm like, I hope you're fucking ready today, bro. He's like, I'm coming, poppy. And I'm like, let's do it. Now I'm like, that young man was stupid. He should have <laughs> never put himself in harm's way like that. Oh, a monster but like that. Was, dude, there was a time where I was like, me and Carlos would spar every day. Every Like there was not a day where I got around away from Carlos and Kyle Kramer and Adam Hughes and Tom and Chris McCray. Did like, you ever get the sense... And, and I know this is, nobody will ever admit to this, but did you ever get the sense that there were some guys that like backed off from you? From me? Yeah. No, I get the opposite sense. No, I get the sense that they no want to get in the ring with you. <laughs> I get the sense that no one's scared of me. And I have a conversation with, with I had this conversation with Tom. I was like, I was like, I don't think people truly respect me sometimes because I tell all these jokes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was like, I think people think like I kind of like, you know, fly by the seat of my pants and I'm telling these jokes. I don't think people realize how methodical I am with everything. Every now and then you get that look in your eyes. You're like, I'm, you know. It's there. Yeah. It's there. Michael Myers is coming out. It's there. You know who, you know who understands that? Who's that? All the other fucking black belts I'm black belts with. Right. Tom gets it. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm sure there were some that said, you know, nah, my, my, my back hurts today. I'm going to hold off. No, I don't think I've ever gotten that. I think (laughs) afterwards people are like, I that wasn't what I expected. I'm like, oh, you thought I was going to tell you jokes in the middle (laughs) of the round? You thought I was going to do a Gordon impression? (laughs) Fuck out of here. I'm going to put my knee in your chest and pull up on your head and try to stop your lungs from fucking breathing. That's what I'm going to try to do. But, um, I remember, uh, someone, Someone was talking to, it was actually Luke Moeller. Someone was like, I think I could do well with Miguel. And Luke was like, no, you won't. He's like, have you rolled with Miguel? He's like, he's not nice. Like, he's not, like, if if you come at him, he's going to. Now, I don't roll like that with everyone. Right. All right. Like, if I'm rolling with the white belt, the blue belt, Mm -hmm. like, I I adjust for the levels. But a higher rank, like, if you want to go, like, let's fucking have some fun. Like, let's let's dance. You might get me. I don't give a fuck. But I might get you. <laughs> and I want to have some fun. And sometimes, I don't, this is, because I don't want anyone coming after my ass now. It's not always the uh, the show of force. That's not what I like. Mm-hmm. I truly enjoy like being in terrible positions yeah. and having to find a way out. I love that. Right. I love not dying. I love being able to not die. I love the you I can like shoot. That too. I love that you can shoot me, stab me, have the whole town beat me up, and I'm gonna get up <laughs> and look you in the eyes and be like, "We're not done yet." And we get we got. Listen, Tom is notorious for telling you, "Don't don't listen to the buzzer, ignore the buzzer. I'll tell you when to go." So you're pushing hard. It's a six minute, eight minute round, and you're busting your ass because there's thirty seconds left. You're like, "Fuck, let me push it now." And Tom's like. Go through the buzzer. And you're like, oh, no. Because <laughs> you know what that means for Tom? You don't even know when. That he's, no he's, fucking clue. Right. And anyone who's trained under Tom knows that when that happens, you you have to check into somewhere in you where you realize, like, I might have to be on here until I throw up on myself. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, oh, I'm cramping. Ooh. No, you're going to go until he says stop. And then when he does, he's like, all right, good enough. And it might be in the middle of one of the rounds. It's not with the buzzer. It might be two minutes into round number seven. Right. And he's like, okay, you guys are done. Good job. And that's it. That's it. Right. 
not like, hey, you did this. And he's just like, all right, you guys are done. That's a good cool job. story. Good job. I did it with Tom. Yeah. We were, Matt Pletcher was holding like a wrestling practice for Tom and Tom clubbed me like a little bit too hard. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I was like, dude, I was like, take it easy. He goes, well, you can't take a club? I was like, you want to fucking put gloves on? Let's put gloves on. He goes, oh, now you want to talk back? And I was like, I'm not fucking scared of you. And notorious Tom, whatever. He goes, motherfucker, you don't got to be scared to get that ass beat. <laughs> and then he's like, start the clock. We wrestled for 52 minutes. <laughs> and I mean like take down, get up. Take down, get up. We're pummeling. 52 minutes. There's a video of it. I'm like dead. I'm like hunched over like a puppet. I'm like. <laughs> Tom's like drenched in sweat. I brought it up to Pletcher. He goes, I remember that night. That was madness. He goes, not a night. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, these horses are going to kill each other. But I was like, I was like, am I the only one that remembered that night? Tom's like, I remember that night. 52 minutes we wrestled. Me and Luke Muller did a 47-minute uh, no time limit sub only match. I lost. Luke got me. He goes, bro, I just, he goes, my, my plan was to just let you beat me up until you got tired. He's like, I thought it would be like 15, 20 minutes. I didn't think it would be 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. of you just attacking everything. But uh, yeah, it was, it's black belts. Just, it's incredible, man. It's a feeling That's that cool. That's really cool. when you get it. I, I hope that inspires people that just heard that oh, because nice. there are some guys that totally, totally should be inspired along those lines. There's nothing like it. Even thinking about it like now, like thinking about when I got my black belt or just thinking about the fact that I have a black belt. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. This this January will be 15 years I've been training jiu-jitsu. Good stuff. I'm almost 40, dude. I started when I turned 20. <laughs> I'm about to be 40. 37, but I'm getting close. All right, we're that time. What's the question? Real, real, I'll, I'll just cut that because we're at the 132 mark here. Yeah, that's all right. Um, no one's listening. <laughs> I was going to ask for your three best meals, but just cut it to your best meal. So you're talking about like, it's like prison, I'm about to, to get lethal injection. No, I'm talking about where was the best meal you ever had? I can't remember the name of this restaurant. Okay. It's in Atlantic City. I want to say it's called like Anger House, but I'm probably 100% wrong. And I had a, uh, I had the prime rib Oscar okay. with a lobster thermidor. Ooh. And that was whoa, whoa, whoa. with uh, a bottle of the Clos du Bois. Wow. Yeah. That is and that idea. was with dinner. Before dinner, Great I... Great crowd around you, the whole thing. A very, like, old, very like old school yeah. Atlantic City. Absolutely. Very like, you know, Boardwalk Empire like it. type stuff. And it was wow. fun. like, it's like an old house and they walk you up to the third floor. <laughs> we were in the wine room and we had awesome. the bottle of the Clos du Bois, which is Steph's favorite. Oh, so it was you and Steph? Um, I'm sorry, the Claude Duval. Claude Duval. So it was you and Steph? Yeah, it was me and my wife. So it wasn't just like you and a bunch of guys just like no, smoking man. cigars kind no, of shit? me and my wife, man. Good deal. Okay. You know, unfortunately, my wife is some of the best company I have. I love, ah, hang- I love hanging out. You know what awesome. it is? I don't just love my wife, Roy. I like her. That's what I like her talk about person. that. That was, that, was one of the, that was the best meal I've ever had. I still think about it. That's awesome. I'll tell you, second best meal I ever had. Yeah. And you know what? I'll probably I wouldn't even say it's it's the second best. I'll say it's one and it's one A. Mm-hmm. Steph's birthday, I believe it was her thirtieth birthday. Uh, I had my dear friend Sean Carner come to my house, right, 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 and he cooked a meal for us. He's and the it, real deal, Sean. Oh, he showed up fully prepped, and it was horrible because yeah. like he cooked all this meal in my kitchen. I'm like, dude, I make pancakes in there. <laughs> like I I hard boil eggs. He's making this like five like this like five star meal. Uh, the appetizer was uh, baby lamb chops over a sautéed 
Brussels sprout and uh, like a like a bacon oh, wow. with a with a with a demi glaze that he made himself. And then the entree was uh, duck breast. By the way, this was the stupidest subject because I haven't eaten all fucking day. <laughs> I'm like you're starving like, you're right like, now. God, is Wawa open? <laughs> exactly. Um, it was a duck breast over a butternut squash puree with a, with a raspberry demi-glaze. I'm fucking hard. Delicious. I mean, <laughs> delicious. And then he made like a lemon, like a lemon tart afterwards. But... He came in, full chef attire, cooked right, everything in right. the kitchen, I'm had his show you what I can do, man. Yep. Cleaned as he went. And like as he served the meals, and like we were still living in the apartment. So right. like, I, I like I like moved the table to the living room and had a candle. She came in. She's like, What's this? I was like, This is gonna lead to a lot of fun later. This is food porn. <laughs> it was, you know, but it was uh and like every time we served the plate, he goes, This is the this with the this with this prepared at this temperature. Uh enjoy. And then he'd go back to the kitchen and put his headphones back on and it was private and when he was done, everything was clean and put oh, away yeah, and well. it was phenomenal. And it it cost just as much as if I would have gone to a five star restaurant. But it was it was the best fucking meal I've ever had. And I've wow. never it was the first time I'd ever had duck. Wow. It was when I realized that Brussels sprouts could be delicious. Right. <laughs> like, I remember he took me to uh, Wegmans, too. He's like, try this real quick. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it tastes fucking good. He goes, that's nah, fucking disgusting. He's like, it's been aged too those. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm tasting. Yeah, I'm a exactly. dummy. I'm like, sorry I said it was good, but always great. Whenever him and Margo come, like, I remember they came one time for like a, a, like a cheese and, and wine night. And like, you know, I don't know shit about cheese. He brought these like aged Goudas. He's uh-huh. like, this one's been aged this amount of time. So it crystallizes and turns into like a candy. They actually call it the candy of the cheese world. I'm like, it's delicious. Where's the fucking honey and jam? I don't know anything. I'm an idiot. Steph like pretends. He goes, oh, yeah. Steph like I like hates. what I like. We hate inviting them over for dinner because right. we're like, we're not cooking for you. It's pizza. We're not cooking right. shit for you guys. But yeah, those two hands down. The one, I think the... Um, the ambiance and it was myself and Steph and it was her birthday and it was two years ago and it was pre COVID and it was, you know, the school was doing well and everything was just so great in the world. Uh, it was a phenomenal moment. That's and awesome. then when Sean cooked it, cause it's like, this is my soon to be wife. This is my best friend. Right, this is right. our apartment. And this is just, Perfect. you're not getting this anywhere else. Yeah, the ambiance is just, wow. It was awesome. Dude. That's awesome. Those are my best meals. I was just like coming up with things that like the first time I, I tried this, where has this been all my life? I mean, I'm like, I remember the first time I tried a Big Mac. I'm like, where the fuck has this been all my life? Yeah. I remember the first time I tried an enchilada. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever put in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, like brownie sundae. This is the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life. Oh, not me. A, a Reuben sandwich I had down in Baltimore, Maryland one time. I'm like, where has this been all my fucking life? Yeah. You know? Like getting a lobster roll in Boston. You're yeah. like, what? <laughs> I've had lobster roll before. I've not had this. This. Yeah. Those are my best meals. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Roy, always a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Always a pleasure. Guys, keep tapping in. By the way, I want to give a shout out to uh, Rachel Becker, one of our our fans in Pittsburgh, PA. Train Jiu-Jitsu. She hit me up. Monty Brothers. Dude, she hit me up on uh, Instagram. She's like, just want to let you know I absolutely love the podcast. You and Roy are great. I'm like, how did you hear about us? <laughs> right. And she's like, oh, I saw you on um, the BJJ Fanatics Facebook page. I'm like, oh, shit. People actually started listening after they saw that. Very cool. Um, it's interesting. It's cool. 
people listen. Absolutely, man. All right. Well, so, we're, the, we're, the, we're like the most interesting uh, two people on the planet. So. Yeah, we got a Jew and a Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, well, you know, one guy's entering his life. One guy's, you know, kids are graduated. Excellent. Excellent. I'm like going through all these traumas and you're like, oh, yeah. I remember when my son was shitting himself. Been there. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.